0: Good morning. It is so great to see you here today. Thank you for taking the time to be here on a Sunday morning. We finally, we finally got some warmer weather, didn't we? Yeah, it's like, woo out of the deep freeze, huh? So this feels more like Colorado. I actually took a bicycle ride yesterday. That felt really good, getting out there and kind of getting it going. So we're, we're delighted to have you hey, we mean this. If it's your first time in here or maybe you've been here a couple of times but you're not sure about all this, you're among friends and we want you here. And we call this our living room. It's where we talk about real life. And today is one of those days. We're going to get right down to the nitty gritty of our life. But if you are new, there's a connection card in the chair back in front of you there. And you feel free to take that out and uh, put any information that you're comfortable with us having and we would love to get to know you better and help you serve and help you get involved and if you have a prayer request there's a place on there to put a prayer request you can do all that online as well with the QR code with your phone on that connection card so whatever however you want to do it but we are just happy and glad that you are here I mean that thank you I want to say hi to everybody online God bless you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please participate. Enter in. Uh, Sing these songs. In a little while, when we pray for people, get involved in that as well. And to traditions, thank you for being here today, you guys. We love you. We're proud of you. We thank God you're joining us. I have uh, the privilege today of continuing this, this series in the book of Mark. And Pastor Jeff has done a masterful job of introing it and getting us going in these last couple of weekends. And, um, you know, as you know, one of the reasons I like Mark is because Mark is like an action character. He's a mover. I'm I'm not super impatient. I don't think my kids would say I was an impatient dad or anything like that. But I do like the next thing. Like, I, I don't like being stuck too long in one thing. And Mark is like that. Mark is like... You know, you read the other Gospels and they're going into the details of the same miracle and what happened and Mark's like, yeah, God healed him and then we left. You know, it's like, and then sometimes Mark stops and he goes into more detail. But if you're a fast paced kind of let's get it done, get to the heart, tell me what happened and then move on. So we're going to look at two or three things all at once today, just in a few verses uh, in chapter one of the book of Mark. So let me ask you a question. Let's start with this. If you were gonna launch your business, let's say you had a, a plan that you have worked on for 30 years to launch a business, what would, your, what would your plan be in our culture? What what kind of thing would you do? Would you get ads and put it on TV? Would you do radio? Would you have a cute little saying or a logo? What, what kind of thing would you use to launch? something that's very important that you want the world to know about. Well, here's what Jesus did. And it's pretty ironic the way he launched his ministry. He was 30 years old. He goes into this little synagogue and he takes a scroll that was, that was being read. They always read from the scroll, but, but this was the introduction of his ministry. And they were reading from a book in the Old Testament. You guys remember which one it was? was Isaiah. It was Isaiah. As a matter of fact, it was Isaiah 61. And I want to read it. I want to read this verse. And I want you to think about this is it. This is how Jesus is launching the platform for everything he's about to do. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. For the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. That's the number one thing he said. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted. That's the second thing he said. To proclaim that captives will be released. That's number three. And prisoners will be freed. And that word doesn't mean just people in jail. It means prisoners, like mind prisoners, addiction, people who don't believe in themselves, that need to believe that they can get through this. Jesus used Isaiah sixty one as the platform, the springboard for everything else he was going to do for the next three years. That's pretty. That's pretty impressive. This is his purpose, and so I think because of that, we need to step back and realize the things we're about to see in Mark chapter one are because of this. He, he didn't just come on the earth to like hang out and oh, I guess I'll do a miracle or two. They need to see I have power. That's not it. He had a purpose. He was intentional about why he came to this earth. So there's there's four or five things in your outline. Number one, Jesus taught with authority, okay? He taught with authority. That's very important because it was different than the teachers of the law in their day and it was recognizable. In Mark 1 verse 21 it says, Jesus and his companions, who were they? These are the disciples he's recruited so far. And just keep in mind, keep in mind, he did not say, hey, you guys are going to be my disciples. Go to school for a couple years, and uh, you'll learn what you need to know in order to follow me. What did he say instead? Come follow me. <laughs> They're like fixing their nets. And he says, hey, come on, come on, Yeah, you leave all that there, come on. This is, this is crazy. This is not how it was supposed to work in the culture. These guys are like, you want us to, we're not like, we're not like studied, you know, we're, we fish. And he goes, I know. Come on, follow me. So he's got, he's got his companions. These are the people. I just love this because we learn as we go. We learn as we walk. That's how Jesus disciples people. That's important for later. They went to the town of Capernaum. When the Sabbath day came, he went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching. He taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of religious law. Suddenly a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus reprimanded him. Be quiet. Come out of the man, he He ordered. At that the evil spirit screamed through the man into a convulsion and came out of him. Amazement gripped the audience. Well, I guess so. Amazement gripped the audience and they began to discuss what had happened. What sort of new teaching is this? They asked with excitement it has such authority. Even evil spirits obey his orders. The news about Jesus spread quickly throughout the entire region of Galilee. You guys, this is a big launch. He he says, I'm I'm here to set people free. And boom, here we have this. People are being set free. I'm going to say a couple of things today right now that I, I don't want it to get scary or spooky or weird or demonic in that sense. But You have a target on your head, like literally on your head, your brain. Satan plays for keeps and he wants to take you out. Now, if you've been around walking with the Lord for any period of time, you know that's true and you've acknowledged it. And you put boundaries in your life so that you don't go through the fences that God's word have have put up for us to keep us safe. But we need to talk a little bit about what this means to be oppressed by the enemy. We don't see a lot of demon possession in America these days. I think it still exists in some parts, but mostly what we see is the oppression of the evil one, of Satan and his forces, getting a hold of people and causing them to have behavior that is not surrendered to God. These can be called strongholds. They can be called, you know, some people just say it's my weakness. Well, What is your weakness? Let me, let me read to you that whole Ephesians 6 passage is one passage, but, and it talks about how our battles are not physical. It's not like you can, you can beat up the, the oppression and, and finally it's gone and you buried it and you move on. This is an ongoing battle of the mind. In 2 Corinthians 10, Paul writes to the church in Corinth and he says, we are human. But we don't wage war, as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds. What is that? The strongholds of human reasoning, the the brain, and and to destroy false arguments. You know, I think Pastor Brent mentioned this Wednesday night when talking about truth. When when Adam and Eve were in the garden, (laughs) the enemy didn't come and say, I want to give you an addiction. He came and and the battle was the mind. Did God really say? Your mind is going to be opened up to all kinds of things. Sins always starts in the mind first. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. So So here's what a stronghold really is. It's a deception that you decide to agree with and believe in your mind. I mean, putting it in real simple terms, it's a lie that you believe. Oh, I could never be forgiven for that. Well, that's a lie. You could be. But when you hold on to that and you are deceived, that becomes a stronghold in your life. Why? Because you immediately will no longer be, value in, be valued in the calling that God has for you. It will polarize you and you'll stop. Well, I can't, I can't really get involved in that because I'm not, I'm not all together. It's a lie. But you believe it. That's where insecurity comes from. That's where fear comes from. That's why people don't even try to use their faith to, to reach others, to, to ha- be friends with others. They, they're just stuck. And it, it becomes all about them, and it's a stronghold. No one likes me. That's a lie. I made an assumption years ago. I made a little rule in my life that when I walk into a room, I assume everybody likes me. I'm serious. Now, I know that's not always true. <laughs> I've, I've been in a few rooms where I'm pretty sure I wasn't their favorite person. But it changes how I behave when I assume you like me, and it makes me at my best. And then I'm not living in this pain of what are they thinking of me, what are they, why? Because I have an audience of one, who is that? God. So do I care about relationships on this earth? Absolutely, but I can't control you. I'm not gonna let a stronghold take me out because of a lie that I'm choosing to believe. And I don't want you to believe that lie either. This is a a blame or a shame, if I can say it that way, that you accept and you try to live your life hiding it or denying it and, and all of a sudden others might get a glimpse but you're not gonna let them in. Why? Because this thing needs to be kept secret. That's a stronghold. These are things that control people. Let me go to point two. Jesus brought deliverance and healing now, what we're about to see is just the continuation of what we saw in the synagogue. So, after Jesus leaves the synagogue, he's with James and John. They went to, to uh, Simon and Andrew's home. Simon's mother in law was sick in bed with a high fever. They told Jesus about it right away. I love this. I don't know. I just see so much in here. It's like they walk in the house, they've seen these miracles, and Peter's like, Mom's really sick. Uh, we should tell Jesus. Well, yeah, let's tell Jesus. So they decide they're going to tell Jesus. And so Jesus goes into her bedside, takes her by the hand, helps her sit up, her fever leaves, and and she prepared a meal for them. I'm like, what? Maybe Peter knew he wasn't going to eat unless she was healed, and that's what he cared about. No, I'm kidding about that. That evening after sunset, many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. Look, look at this. The whole town gathered at the door to watch. So Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases. He cast out many demons. But because the demons knew who he was, he did not allow them to speak. Interesting. It wasn't quite his time. He's trying to stay incognito. He knew what would happen if the word got out and people would be declaring he's the Messiah and he's going to take over Jerusalem and set up a new kingdom and all the stuff that they sort of wrongly thought about the Messiah. From the very beginning, the heart and ministry of Jesus was to touch people and change their thinking and heal their bodies. I think sometimes we forget the reason Jesus really came, to heal us, to deliver us, to release us. Man, if I keep that in mind, I'm going to run to him every single day. I'm going to run. It's not to beat us up. It's not to catch us in a sin. It's to get us away from that stuff. But religion binds us up so tight. So today, we're going to pray for people. Matter of fact, we're going to do it right here in the middle of my sermon. How weird is that? And don't get too excited, because I have two more points after we pray. So you're not leaving yet. So in a minute, we've asked people to be prepared with oil, and we're going to ask you, not now, but in just a minute, to stand, and, and I'll explain it all before we do it. But I want you to meet a couple of people first. I want you to welcome the McPhersons to the stage. Would you guys come on up? these are really nice people. Um, They've, I'm sure, had quite a morning already because uh, they have three kids under five. So come on over here. Do I need to hold you up? Did you get coffee? You're all set. Um, Kyle and Juliana McPherson. And the reason I've asked them to come, they've been a part of our Timberline family for years, but I I think their story is kind of seen in this picture of mark one and this deliverance So I'm gonna start with you Kyle and just tell us a little bit about what happened to you this 15 year old kid and all of a sudden you find yourself in this really man you're tall dude I look up to you just so you know (laughs) I'm six four and he's taller than me so yeah so I I grew up in
1: a really good home you know wonderful parents I'm the youngest of five I have four older sisters Um, you know and, and growing up I had a pretty idyllic childhood for the most part, but when I was 15 years old, uh, I had some oral surgery done, and I was prescribed prescription painkillers, uh, and I was hooked then and there. You know, they just grabbed a hold of me in a way that I, I truly can't describe, and it was from there that I just started making bad decision after bad decision after bad decision, and really chasing that high and chasing those drugs to the point where, you know, I didn't know who I was anymore. I couldn't recognize myself. Uh, was when I turned 17, 18. Uh, I then began using drugs intravenously, using heroin, uh, methamphetamine, and fentanyl, uh, every chance I could get. Uh, and it, it just destroyed my life. Uh, it really took everything from me. And that was regardless of having such a, a wonderful childhood
0: and coming from a, a truly great home. And you kind of shriveled your whole body to the point that you ended up this skinny creature that they didn't know what to do with. That's right.
1: Um, so yeah, it was, it was tough. Needless to say, intravenous drug use is pretty hard on your body. And there was a point in time where I was diagnosed with what's called endocarditis, which is a bacterial infection on the heart valve. And so I w- went down to about 128 pounds. Um, and as you said, I'm pretty tall, I'm about 6'6". So needless to say, that was a, it was a dangerous space for me to be in. I didn't eat for several weeks. Uh, finally, my parents... You know, and family just realized how incredibly ill I was, and they took me to the emergency room, and I was hospitalized for two weeks. Uh, they put in a PIC line, which is a catheter into your heart to keep me alive and keep me going. Had to do IV antibiotics two to three times a day uh, for several months, um, even after I was released. Unfortunately, though, the way that drugs grab a hold of you—it's it's body, mind, and spirit. You know, and and this idea that you're going to scare someone out of it—at uh, least for me—I've never seen that be effective. I've never seen fear be an effective tool to help save someone or save their life. And so I was released from the hospital uh, and I made a horrible decision. You know, I started injecting heroin and methamphetamine into my heart catheter. And it, it nearly killed me. You know, Needless to say, I was, I was hospitalized yet again. Uh, and thank the Lord I had a family that had faith and that cared about me when I couldn't care about myself. They loved me when I really didn't love myself and they weren't willing to stand idly by and watch me kill myself. And so they really stepped up.
0: You know, one of the things that happens with addiction is, you know, I'm standing here, I've never had any kind of a drug addiction, and I I just want to say, you know, when you got out, you realized your life was spared. Why? Why'd you go back to taking drugs? Isn't that a common, a pretty common question? That shows you the extent of an addiction. That's why it's right here. He knew he could die when he put that in his heart he, he knew it might be the end and and for, unfortunately some of you your children have died some of you have lost loved ones we're thankful Kyle is here today but my heart goes out to so many who haven't had that same result now we're gonna come back to Kyle but we need to jump in here with Juliana because her story uniquely different but similar tell us a little bit about how you grew up and how you got kinda hooked
2: Um, so I grew up in a good home as well Um, I had loving parents and I grew up going to church and all of that Um, when I became a teenager I started dealing with a lot of anxiety and depression and had a really hard time with that Um, started doing some self-harm as a form of self-medication, and that eventually turned into using drugs and alcohol. Um, By the time I was 21, it had gotten pretty bad, and I got a DUI and found myself in legal trouble. Um, That wasn't enough to help me stop drinking. I just was like, well, I just can't drink and drive and I'll be fine. And then by the time I was 23 found myself in more legal trouble due to my drinking um, and was facing some pretty bad consequences. And even that wasn't enough to make me stop drinking. If anything, I started drinking more because I was so scared of that. By the time I was 25, I was in a really dark place um, and I was just living for the world, completely turned away from God. And I um, in a lot of pain. And thankfully, my parents um, and my brother, my sister in law, they loved me enough to have the really uncomfortable conversation of having an intervention and asking me to get help.
0: Do you know what an intervention is? It's where the people who love you tackle you. <laughs> <laughs> And Say you're not getting up until we get this sorted out basically, right? Yeah,
2: yeah, and I I was kind of defensive at first It was really hard to hear. I'm not gonna lie. Um, it wasn't fun. We all cried a lot But deep inside I felt a huge sense of relief Um, Mm. because as much as I Didn't want to stop drinking or I couldn't stop drinking. I I really did. I didn't want to live that way anymore and I knew if I kept drinking the way I was drinking, it wasn't going to end well, but I just, I wasn't able to stop on my own. So, I was so relieved inside, and I um, accepted my parents' offer to help me get some help, and I went to treatment, and it was during my early stages of recovery that I realized if I was really gonna turn my life around that I needed to have God and Jesus in my life.
0: Now you guys, these treatment centers, see they hadn't really crossed paths much till, till this. And then they, one of the places they could go from their almost locked down treatment centers was they would give them a pass to go to a church. <laughs> Guess where they came, Timberline. At right back over there is where they said. I love, Kyle, you say, you, you came not for the church. You didn't care about that at all. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: No, no, I did not come from church. It <laughs> just I'd got like, you out of prison, basically. That's right, yeah, I just didn't want to be where I was. And so I came here as often as I could and I would sit right back there um, and I slept through a lot of your services.
2: <laughs> I never slept through any
1: of your Our services, totally history, to it. Kind of-
0: I like her better than him
1: already. <laughs> But I did, and I, I, yeah, I really did. I slept through a lot of services. I would put my head forward, so I think a lot of people thought I was praying when I was sleeping. Um, but I would come, and I kept coming. Uh, and I was raised in a Christian home, so I had, I had an idea. I had those values in my heart. Uh, and I just kept coming, and eventually Jules and I met, and we started dating, and we would come together. Yeah. And it's amazing what the Holy Spirit can do. How it can really just grab a hold of you, um, even when you don't want it to. Even when you have no intention, you know, I didn't, I had no intention of getting baptized again and recommitting my life to Christ. I had no intention of really turning my life around the way that I did. I just knew that I wanted to be somewhere and this was a place that I was allowed to come. And I, I credit communities such as this is, is what has kept me sober for yeah. all these years. You know, it, you can go to a doctor or a hospital and they have pretty clear methods on doing detoxes. It's not the getting sober for me that was hard. I had done that before, it was the staying sober. Yeah. And it's having these types of relationships and inviting the Lord back into my life that's
0: allowed me to do so. And you guys were baptized with with Timberline family up at uh, Horsetooth, wasn't it? That's right, yeah. Yeah, isn't that fun? And so now, just fast forward before we, we pray, um, you guys really did come back and make that big statement of faith. And now here you are, mm-hmm. a successful mom, of three kids under five. We're gonna have special prayer. Um, Both of these guys are 10 years sober and free of addiction. And you actually gotten involved here. What, what is it that you got involved in?
2: Um, so I got involved in the Mops ministry about five years ago. And it was just so, it's helped me so much just forming that community with other moms. And I loved it so much that this past year I decided to join the leadership team so I can help serve other moms. And I just, I love that. So. Here we
0: have someone who was on a fast track to death who is now leading kids and helping moms go through the hard parts. And Kyle, what do you do with your life now? Yeah, so I'm the uh, director of residential programs at Harvest Farm. You know what Harvest Farm is? What's har- yeah, yeah, that's exciting. Yeah. Tell, for those that don't know, what is Harvest Farm?
1: Yeah, so Harvest Farm is a ministry in Wellington, Colorado. Uh, we operate a 110-acre residential recovery program for men battling substance abuse and experiencing homelessness. It's an entirely donor-funded Christian program that means that Someone can come there regardless of their financial status or income. We don't charge them a lick, and they're able to stay with us
0: for up to a year. Think about this. Think about what you see in front of you, and and think of it this way. This is why Jesus came, to release people from that burden, to heal people from this brokenness. This is the story. Now, we're going to pray. Here's how we're going to do it. I've asked, here's what the Bible says, if you're new to all this. We're a church that believes in healing, we believe in praying for people. And the Bible says to anoint — call for the elders of the church. So we've asked our prayer team, our deacon team, our pastor team — it just means leaders — to anoint with oil and pray for people. So I'm going to ask all of you to stand, if you're able. And those of you that want prayer — now here's — here's what it is, this is for anything you're dealing with. You might have a headache today and you just want God to touch you. You might have cancer. You might have a blood disease no one knows about. You might have an addiction. It, who, it doesn't matter. It just might be that your foot hurts. So this isn't — you know, it's not super big — someone last night said anybody over 50 could have gotten in that aisle because we all have <laughs> aches and pains. And I said, that's right. But we're still asked to pray. So if you have something specific that you say, I need to be touched by God for this, whether it's an extreme addiction or whether it's just, I have a headache, I'm going to ask you right now to just step into the aisle that's closest to you. It can be over there by the wall, just an aisle. You don't need to come up here. Our prayer team is going to come and they're going to start anointing you with oil. Just step into the aisle and stay right there. Just You guys just step into the aisle. And our, our prayer team is coming to the front right now. But those of you wanting to be prayed for, just stay where you are and come right over to the aisle and stand there, okay? For, for whatever reason, just get in the aisle. And then, and then Kyle's going to pray for those who might be struggling with something that's life-controlling. And I'm going to pray for healing for people who are sick in body, whatever kind of sickness that is. Okay, everybody in there, they're just going to walk and touch your forehead with oil. If you don't want to be anointed with oil, you can tell them you don't, but I, I hope you will it's totally biblical. Now listen, there's no magic in the oil. This, this is oil. The reason the Bible says to do that is it symbolizes the Holy Spirit. Okay. Kings were anointed with oil as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. So when you're anointed with oil, it just simply says, I can't heal myself. Well, I'm trusting God for this. That's all it is. So church, now I'm going to ask you, as they're almost, almost all the way back, Just keep moving, those of you anointing with oil, just keep moving quickly. Just touch their forehead with the oil. God bless you. Those of you standing in, in here that are not an eye, would you just begin now to intercede? Just, I'm, I'm waiting for them to be done, but just begin to say, Lord, bring healing. Bring healing. Touch those. We're called as a church to pray for people. Kyle would you lead us in that prayer?
1: Father God, I just wanna pray for the men and the women in this room, those that are struggling with addiction, substance abuse, anxiety, depression, uh, anything in their life that's keeping them from moving forward and growing closer to you. I just pray that you give them the courage and the strength to make that first step and ask for help. Very often we make that first step, it feels like we're stepping alone, but we're not. Mm -hmm. You're with us every step of the way. You always have been, whether we know it or not, whether we want you or not, you're right there with us. Mm -hmm. So I just pray for peace over them, pray that you intercede in their lives and that you help them recover and find their happiness and find the peace and joy in their life that you want for them so desperately. Pray for the families in this room who have a loved one who's struggling and battling with addiction as well. Pray that you give them the strength and the courage to confront them and have those difficult conversations, to love them enough to have them be angry with them, to love them enough to go to, to, go to war with the devil and try and save them. Amen.
0: Lord, I just pray for those sick in body today, whatever it is, from a headache to a cancer to a blood disease to issues that are way bigger than them, you're a God who can push this out of their body. You live in that body. Your spirit abides there. Push out this sickness. God, I pray for miracles today that you do. We can't do it, and we acknowledge it. So we have anointed with oil. We have praying the prayer of faith, and we are believing you. To touch people in ways that we know we can't. Because our faith is in you, not in ourselves. We love you. We praise you. Let healing occur. In the mighty name of Jesus, we will give you all the glory. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. You can go back to your seats. I have one more question for uh, Kyle and for Juliana. Because I think it's important for them to maybe... What, what else would you want us to know just with your life now and where you've come, anyone facing these things? Maybe there's a sense of delivery today, but what's next? Or what, what else do you want to say to us?
1: Yeah, I would say that, you know, in this life, I think the biggest lies that we tell aren't to others, but are to ourselves. And we tell ourselves the lie that we're not good enough, that we can't be helped, that we can't get better. And we tell ourselves that those around us won't accept us or love us or support us if we're honest with them or if we tell them what we've been battling with and struggling with. What I would just say is my experience and my, my work over the years with others, that couldn't be further from the truth. Mm-hmm. You know, We are all struggling, all have a past, all have difficulties that we've gone through. And if you have the courage to step out and ask for help, you will be amazed at the people that God puts in your life that want to help you and support you and guide you um, and give you the opportunity at healing. So, I'd really just encourage you if, if there's something that's on your heart that you're struggling with, maybe it's hidden and no one knows about it, uh, to step out and ask for help.
0: Yes. Juliana?
2: Um, I think my message would be for families who have uh, loved ones struggling with addiction or mental health issues um, just to have the courage to have those hard conversations with your loved ones. Um, they'll probably be upset with you, but. And it may not work right away, but you might plant a seed for later on. And I know for myself that if it hadn't been for my parents stepping in and having that difficult conversation, I don't think I would have gone to treatment. I don't think I would have gotten the help that I really needed. And I don't know where I would be today. So that was really the catalyst that changed my life. It completely turned me around 100%. So... It's not easy, but there's lots of resources out there, and I know Timberline has a lot of resources, too. So if you're not sure where to start, I would recommend reaching out to Timberline because they want to help.
0: Let's say thanks to the McPhersons, huh? Thank you, guys. Bless you. Wow. Wow. Number three. Jesus lived with purpose. Now, now, these two points are going to be really quick, but now after praying and seeing what just happened, I, I think this will make more sense to you. He lived with such great purpose. Look at verse 35. It's the very next verse. Before daybreak, the next morning, okay, what's happened? He's been in this town. They stayed at the mother-in-law's house. She was healed, many other people were healed. He gets up early before anyone else is up. Jesus got up and he goes to an isolated place to pray. Isolated means they don't know where he is. Later, Simon and the others went to find him. They wake up, where's Jesus? We gotta get him. When they found him, they said, and this is almost like a rebuke, everyone is looking for you. Like, what are you thinking? We got a crowd back here. But Jesus replied, okay, get the tables, get the books, I'll sign them. Let's get a banner. Let's start a new political party. We must go on to other towns as well. And I will preach to them too. This is why I came that's purpose you guys so he traveled throughout the region of Galilee preaching in the synagogues casting out demons this is remarkable you know why he left the crowds where he was known and accepted and popular we tend to run to people who love us we tend to want that to be the place we go But Jesus had a bigger mission than himself or his own comfort. Think about that. I'm going over there where they haven't heard. There's some people who need some help. I don't need the compliments. I'm not doing this for approval. (laughs) I'm doing this because it's my mission on this earth. Live with that mission, you guys. That's what God's calling us to today. Last point. Jesus is willing to help. Not only is he good at it, but he's willing. There are many people who have talents and gifts that are not willing to get involved. He's willing. A man with leprosy, and and leprosy was a terrible, terrible disease in Jesus' day. It's still bad today. It still exists, but it's just not prevalent, but this was a disease that was tied to what the stigma was they sinned it's a curse from god now they're an outcast if you had leprosy you couldn't talk to you had to you had to literally say when people approached you unclean unclean and there was a certain period of how many feet but, that you could come to somebody it was terrible and he came and he knelt in front of jesus probably at a safe distance and begging to be healed if you are willing what a statement if you are willing you can heal me and make me clean. Moved with compassion. Those three words right there changed the world. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. And look at what he says. I am what? Willing. I am willing. Be healed, two words. Instantly the leprosy disappeared. And the man was healed, and Jesus sent him on his way with a stern warning. I love this part of the story, because Jesus did not want to be exposed yet as the Messiah. Don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest. This was a rule. You had to go to the priest, and he would give you a document, let him examine you, take an offering acquired by the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be public testimony that you have been cleansed, but... The man went and spread the word, proclaiming to everyone that he, what had happened. As a result, large crowds came, soon surrounded Jesus, and he couldn't publicly enter a town anywhere. He had to stay in secluded places. People from everywhere kept coming to him. Wow. You know, and Jesus didn't reverse the leprosy miracle. It's like, that guy went, and he did what I said not to do, so zap, you got leprosy again. No. No, he understood. Sometimes we don't get it right. Jesus understands. So I have have just one kind of last thought that I want to just challenge you with. When Jesus says, come follow me, he doesn't say, get it all together, get your life together, stop your addiction, stop this, stop that. He just says, come follow me and we'll work on it as we walk together. You guys, many of you grew up in churches that had sort of a, an idea of this first you believe, you know, or first you behave and then you believe and then you belong. It's, it's this idea that, okay, I've got to get it together. Someone says, well, why don't you come to church with me? Well, you don't know my life, man. I'm so messed up. And so, so we always start to work on behavior first. Okay. Let me stop smoking. Let me stop this. Let me, I need to probably not drink so much. I need to, why don't you just forget all of that? This, this is not right. This is not what Timberline is about right here. So I saw it change. It was during our ministry in the 90s when this started to turn into, okay, you can't behave unless you believe. So let's put believe at the front of the line. Let's believe, and then we can behave, then we can belong. So then all of a sudden this kind of revival starts out. People are getting saved, and then they're working on trying to get their life straightened out. I think it's a better, better model than number one. But it's still not what Jesus did. So we really flipped it around. Hey, why don't you belong? And then maybe you'll believe. And maybe behavior will follow that because you're walking with Jesus. And that is the key to what happens when people wanna serve God in the way that we are. Because you can't behave without believing and belonging. That's why we're a community. That's why God started this whole thing by calling us his kids, family, brothers, sisters. You say, "Well, that's just a thing." No, it's the thing. Community matters. Some of you are just waiting to get your life fixed up and then you'll then you'll get involved in ministry. Then you'll sign up to do mops. Then you'll sign up no. Just start walking. Come on, get in. <laughs> That's what Jesus says. Well, yeah, but I don't have come on. Just get in. Yeah, but I don't look like them. I just get in. Some of you just you're sleeping in the back over here. I didn't come to get involved. Oh, God knows that too. And He sure loves you. And He sure cares about you and everything about you. He's real. He's powerful. And he does what no one else can do. Be delivered, Mike. You mind coming up here for a second? So I, I didn't practice this. Um, I really shocked Mike last night, and uh, d- I decided I would give him warning. But he's given me permission. So he was telling me about this, and he's been working on this a long time. Matter of fact, this this says Philippians four thirteen right here. Which says what? You guys know? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. He wanted this on his arm. Now he's got this chain, and this represents a, a section of his life. And then as this tat goes up, I don't know if you can see all this, but there's chunks and pieces of this chain that are falling off and getting broken. This chain is breaking up. And that's the power of God that releases the prisoner. That's the power of God that set Mike free. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise God. So we're — you can go play the guitar. So we — we're a church that wants to say, come with your chains. Sit with us. Be with us. And we're not going to be in judgment. When people walk in here, they don't look anything like you and they don't smell like you and they don't behave like you. Will you love them? Oh, these young people today, they're so rebellious. They just mock everything we believe. Well, maybe they need that love that God offers them. And I'm telling you, not very many people are loving them and not very many churches are loving them. Why don't we be that church? Why don't we say, come on. Come on in. You belong here with me. Lord, help us today. Give us everything we need to be empowered by your Spirit to do the work that you want us to do for the glory of God, we pray. Amen. Stand with me. Let's sing this song together. And ring it out. Come on, sing it out really good.